everyone. Welcome back to Let's Talk Physical Media. My name is John. Faith will be back for the this or that portion of the show, and she'll do some questions with me this week. But we like to start the show off every single week with the news, and there really wasn't too much this week. It was a very slow news week, uh, you know, end of the year stuff. People maybe aren't working that much. People don't want to make announcements in this weird, like, dead zone kind of a week between Christmas and New Year's where people just don't know what to do with themselves. A lot of people are off from work, so they're just hanging around, relaxing, People aren't really worried about what's getting released on physical media, but something that came out, and it's not confirmed yet, but there's, I've seen it reported by a couple different people I follow, and that's apparently the Oceans trilogy, that's Oceans 11, 12, and 13, the Steven Soderbergh films from the 2000s that starred George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon, I mean, and so many other great actors, Bernie Mac. Those movies are apparently going to be coming to 4K Steelbook sometime in 2024, and for me, I've put this on top 10 movies I want on 4K Blu-ray a lot of times here on the channel. I've always wondered how come they haven't come to 4K. They are some of the most popular movies that came out in the 2000s, and I don't think people have forgotten about them. People really did love those movies. Steven Soderbergh is still making movies to this day. In fact, he likes to put out like one movie a year almost and usually they're at least pretty damn good so <laughs> he's still in the public consciousness and it's weird that we haven't gotten probably his most popular films on 4k blu-ray but it looks like we're going to and the artwork on these is really nice i think it ties into that like that las vegas classy look that they're going for i mean i guess las vegas wouldn't be considered classy but those casinos look really nice and you know what when they do come to 4k it'll be a real nice time to revisit oceans 12 i was one of those people that when that came out i felt like it was a big downgrade from the Ocean's 11 movie but when Ocean's 13 came out I was in theaters and I really enjoyed that one Ocean's 11 is still the best obviously of the three of them it's one of the best heist movies ever it's just so well edited and that's what Steven Soderbergh really does so well is the editing of that movie is just fantastic it moves along at such a brisk pace it's entertaining as hell uh Brad Pitt is just amazing in that movie it really showed people that hey he's more than just a good looking guy good looking guy He's a great actor, as if you really didn't know that by 2001. So those are really the only things that were kind of announced for this week. We also got apparently the 1987 William Freakin movie Rampage is coming to 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of Keanu Lorber. This is one of those where they've announced that they're working on the scam with no release date yet. We've seen them do this a lot, and then eventually they get announced for their final release. They just announced that they're working on the scan. Like, I think it was last January where we found out they were working on Kindergarten Cop on 4K. And it's finally coming to actual 4K on January 23rd. They've announced Lost in Translation is getting a transfer soon. Ha no official announcement of when that's coming out. I'm really hoping they're still working on it. I think they are. They just like to announce these things well in advance. And Rampage is one of those underknown William Freakin movies. And we just talked about how Michael Bean doesn't have any movies on 4K Blu-ray. And this year we're going to have The Abyss, Aliens, and now Rampage on 4K from him. So must die. He wants to really increase his 4K brand. And I'm all here for it. Michael Bean will always be Kyle Reese to me. I'm always welcome to watch him act. I really enjoyed it when he popped up in The Mandalorian Season 2. So I'm glad that this movie will be coming to 4K Blu-ray. And because we don't have too much news, I thought I'd take the opportunity here to talk a little bit about certain 4Ks I didn't talk too much about in my top 10 4k blu-rays of 2023 and i want to tell you guys why i think they're really important and the first one really is evil dead rise you know it's a 2023 film with a 2023 release and you would expect this to have incredible audio and visuals on it and it does but the audio track on this, I just don't want people to forget about it. I want people to remember that this really was one of the best audio tracks of 2023. The Dolby Atmos mix on this was just incredible. I still think about the scene in the elevator and where the audio was coming from, how I felt entrenched into the movie. 
I really felt that. Like, I saw this in Adobe Theater, and I don't remember that same track, like, hitting me the way it did at home. So it really was able to capture that, like, almost claustrophobic horror feeling. You know, they're stuck in this apartment building. You know, like I said, the visuals, they're shot on digital and modern cameras in 2023 or 2022, whenever they shot us. So I expected this to actually look and sound amazing, but the audio track really is something that stands out. And I was basically able to steal this 4K at $10 to have another Evil Dead film. I didn't love this movie the first time I saw it. I really appreciated it a lot more the second time around. So if you were one of those people saw it in theaters and maybe you had your expectations too high, that's what it really happened to me. I just heard early reviews. And this is why I try and stay away from other people's reviews until I get in the theater. But people saw this movie pretty pretty early and they were saying you know oh my god it's gonna rejuvenate the evil dead franchise one of the best horror movies you've ever seen and i really thought it was actually an underwhelming year for horror other than talk to me which is easily the best horror film and one of the best films of 2023 felt like a very underwhelming year for horror and i was kind of underwhelmed by evil dead rise the first time i saw it but then when i got it at home and that new audio track and the new visuals really helped this 4k and helped this film stand out in the crowd so if you guys could get your hands on this one it is one of the best of 2023 and it just kind of missed my list and what i thought was the best box set of the year was the psycho 4k blu-ray box set i know a lot of people were really happy with that quartet of horror hellraiser 4k box set and they came out I believe on the same week or in the same month at least for sure and Arrow Video was just putting out some incredible stuff that month I know a lot of people were hoping for the Psycho 4k set you know a lot of people including a friend of the channel and the podcast I mean David aka Shamrock Balls he loves the Psycho franchise he always felt like the Psycho sequels were overlooked and you know what I overlooked the Psycho sequels every single time I saw them once when I was a kid just because hey Oh, there's sequels to Psycho. They just didn't feel like the first Psycho movie. They felt like Psycho movies set in the 80s. Problem was, when I saw that at a young age, I didn't realize the 80s had some of the best films. And I really appreciated Psycho 2, 3, and to a lesser extent, 4. 4 is a direct-to-video Psycho sequel. But I still think it has its moments. And as far as being in this 4K Blu-ray box set, it really, really works. It's actually maybe the best 4K in this entire set. And for a movie that was, you know, shot for TV, they really did a great job upgrading it. Great audio. And it's going to be hard now to get this actual box set because Arrow Video is going to be releasing a more stripped down version with just 2, 3, and 4 in it. Mainly because Universal has the rights to the first Psycho movie. They released it originally on its own and in the Alfred Hitchcock collection. And I guess they lent out the rights for this release so that people in the UK, because this was not a US release, this was a UK, and I don't know if it was in Region C release. If you wanted it here in Region A, you had to have an importer. That's what I did through Diabolic DVD. So I don't think we'll get a set like this in the US on its own. And now we're only going to be getting that stripped down version with just two, three, and four. So I still think that this is one that if you got it, you got really lucky. Hopefully they re-release this in a in this exact format because I do think it looks beautiful. That Hellraiser box set, same thing, is getting a more stripped down version coming out. So if you have that original release you know the real collector's edition you got really lucky because it was a beautiful set i'm still on the fence what to do do i get that stripped down version or i just get hellraiser on 4k blu-ray on its own because i really only like the first two hellraiser movies and then the franchise just it kind of drops off for me three is good four i really don't remember four and i don't know how many of those tv movies i watched nothing that stands out to me that's for sure i didn't watch the new one that came to hulu i heard mixed things on that um, eventually I will check that out, but I really do like the Hellraiser franchise. It's just the first two movies are actually, you know, classic horror films. So I just wanted to show those two physical meter releases a little bit of love and shine a little bit more of a light on them because they really were some of the best of 2023. Even if they just missed my list, I really did appreciate 
aspects of both those 4K releases. But without further ado, let's kick it over to the this or that portion of the show with Faith and I. And then, of course, we'll dive into the Q&A. Hey, guys, look who I found. It's Faith, and she's back for this week's this or that. Or are we doing this or that this week? What have no, you decided? No, we're going to just talk about New Year's and our resolutions and um, plans that we have for next year and, you know, traditions that okay. other people might have or, you know, what their traditions might be. Gotcha. Yeah, actually, what we like to do here every New Year's Eve is I like to put on the Father of the Bride movies, one and two. I put them on usually like, you know, like eight o'clock at night, and Faith watches about half of the first <laughs> Father of the Bride, and then she falls asleep, and then I give her a kiss at midnight, and she doesn't really ever remember, and then that's it. That's our New Year's Eve every single year. <laughs> yeah, for a while. For Now, I, I don't know if you've... We've been together for 13 years. When was the last time you made midnight, if ever? Definitely not this year because I have an inventory at work. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go to sleep early this year. Yep. That's messed up that they did that to you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Holiday <laughs> coming real early. Coming extra early. <laughs> coming at ho- six a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, you don't have too good of plans, right? <laughs> okay, that'll do. Okay. So, what are some of your goals uh, for next year? Well, as far as the channel goals, I want to keep growing the channel, obviously. You know, make it more self-sufficient. This year was really good. It's actually at the point, finally, where it's starting to justify the means and things starting to really move in the right direction. I'm very happy with how things are going, and I just want to keep increasing that. Now, as far as, like, our lives go... uh, it's not confirmed yet, but it's looking like probably around uh, sometime in the first half of the year, we're going to probably move from New York to Houston, Texas. You know, just uh, start a new life for us. <laughs> you know, we've owned this house here in Long Island now for about seven years. And, you know, it's just New York's just becoming too, it's too tough to manage all the finances to live in this state. Your jobs don't give you raises, but they want to charge you so much more to live here, so much more for food, and we just can't handle that anymore. And um, Houston, Texas seems to be a little bit more affordable. Fate's sister already lives down there, so it looks like it might be a a better option for us. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out in March and see Mm -hmm. what it's about. If I really like it, and if I don't, then, you know... We'll find somewhere. We'll find something, you know, but... Yeah. Uh, our goal is to move and to start a life that I feel like is not as stressful as what we have right now. Yeah, that's the problem. Right now, it's just, you know, no one should feel this stressed all the time. So we, we wanna... have an old house. Everything needs, except the bathroom and uh, our bedroom, it yeah. needs to be redone. And you need money to do that. Mm-hmm. This house was built uh, around the Civil War, I believe. <laughs> um if not the Revolutionary you know, War. <laughs> with, it doesn't really make any sense for us. No, not with how the economy is and how much stuff costs. It's just, it, it's unfeasible. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of like chip it away at it. And then eventually, maybe once we're finally done in the year 2048, something else will break. Mm-hmm. So that's just how it goes. So do you have any goals this year? Anything that you really want to hit? Well, obviously, I need a new job. Well, yeah, so once that's, we move. that's a major goal for me. Um, and helping you grow your channel and stuff like that because well, that, you're part of the family you know that's what i'm saying you know, I'm the helping, channel family this <laughs> is some this is you know your baby but you know helping you achieve that uh, i feel like is part of it and just be more organized i think that's like a big thing for me is mm-hmm. I'm, as i get older I'm, I'm becoming more organized i still have a long 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 way to go I, you know a little try to be a little less lazy 
Uh, it's tough because it's we hard, work hard. You know, we it's, work a it's lot. hard. But you know, when you come home after working eight hours, you, you know, you come home, you do the random dishes, or you know, sweep up a little bit, or vacuum a little bit. You just want to sit down. You yeah. know, you and we don't even have yourself. kids. You got to cook for yourself. No, we don't have kids. You Imagine know, that. Feed right, the yeah. dogs. It's just I want you know I want to get a little bit more organized so we have an easier life. Makes Not sense. just for me, but for you as well. You know, for the two of us. Mm -hmm. Just the two of us. We can make a thing go right. Oh my god. <laughs> and actually, they're watching this on New Year's Eve, so I'm actually curious. What do you guys do for New Year's Eve every year? Do you do anything? Do you go out and party? You know, we live close to the city, and everybody wants to go to the city and watch the ball drop. My sister's which, going. I know, my sister's going, and I don't know why. Most New Yorkers know that that's an absolute <laughs> nightmare to go and do that. You don't do that. You're just trapped in a big crowd for hours. I can never ever imagine. Yeah, you can't that. go to the bathroom. No, that like no. that's my hell. That's basically. miserable. Yeah. yeah, that is miserable. But I guess if you're drunk enough and you're having enough fun, like I guess it's worth it. But no, I want to be on that couch having a couple glasses of whiskey, watching Steve Martin and uh, Diane Keaton on my screen, and I wonder if she'll get married this time around. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Martin Short's great in it as well. So I'm looking forward to doing that this New Year's Eve. But what are you guys doing? Let us know. And is there any movies that you watch? Yeah. Because there's really no New Year's movie. So, actually, I guess we can announce this on the channel. I mean, me and David already filmed our Lethal Weapon episode. It'll come out this week sometime. But the episode we're doing after that is Ghostbusters 2 because it has a New Year's scene in it. Oh, okay. So there is some... It's not really... Uh, when Harry Met Sally has a New Year's scene in it. Uh, there's not really any movies that really revolve around New Year's, mm -hmm. which is weird because it's the first day of the year. You would think there'd be actually a lot of that. Mm. Imagine an action movie where, like, somebody takes over Times Square, like John claude Van Damme or, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, has to save the day, like, from the terrorists. Kind of like, um, what's that movie? Uh, Sudden Death? No, the one that you went, the Christmas movie, uh... Oh, Die Hard. Die Hard. You're fucking with me. Yeah, yes. Die Hard is pretty much... <laughs> that is the, that would just be Die Hard in Times Square. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, they've done Die Hard everywhere else. Might as well try Times Square. <laughs> Good movie. Yeah. No, don't steal it. Everyone's stolen. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Have you ever seen but Speed? Imagine <laughs> it comes out next year. They're like, oh, I'm taking this. And I can't sue them. We didn't copyright it. It's their right. <laughs> it's whatever they want. So, all right. Well, let's dive into the Q&A portion of the show. So last week, our uh, director, Frank Rodriguez, asked us four questions. He asked two just for me and then two for the two of us. And since you weren't here last week, I said we'd answer them this week. They're Christmas related, so okay. they're, they're pretty fun. And this one is saying, and he also said, Morning, John and Faith. And he wrote, John Morning. and Faith, what are your favorite Christmas gifts that you received when you were a kid? Do you have any distinct Christmas gifts? That you My remember? PlayStation. That I remember getting. I loved my PlayStation. Really? Yeah. That I had um, my PlayStation and Xbox. Those two stood out for me. But I had on Xbox, I had Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's like diner diner dash game. I loved that. Of course, you did. <laughs> Sounds like the exact kind of game you'd have. Um, then uh, Mortal Kombat. I remember, but th that was those two were my biggest gifts. That's the different biggest... years, but obviously, but um, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't expect that. Um, I'd say, honestly, the Christmas 2001, my parents had divorced. And when you're a kid of divorced parents, that you clean up around Christmas. So at my mom's house, I got a PlayStation 2, and it came with Grand Theft Auto 3. 
So I love that. That mm-hmm. really turned me on to Grand Theft Auto because everyone knew about Grand Theft Auto one and two, but no one really cared. But once Grand Theft Auto three came around, that was it. Then I went to my dad's house, and my dad, you know, we opened up Christmas gifts, and then my dad and my stepmom they took us to where my dad worked, which is a plant nursery. So it's a big open dirt field, and he got us a go kart to drive around those oh, dirt fields. That was Nice. Yep, so that was 2001 also. That was awesome. I loved that go-kart. We had so much fun so with that. So good Christmas thing. That was a great... That was that, For my childhood, that's the one that sticks out in my memory as far as Christmases. I do remember Christmas 96 very well. That was the first year my parents got divorced. And I remember being really excited that I got to open presents, then go to my dad's and open presents again. <laughs> so that sticks out in my memory. <laughs> so 96 and 01. Great years, though. That was a great question, Frank. Thank you, buddy. And then the next one is John and Faith. What is your favorite Christmas movie to watch on Christmas Day? Mine is A Christmas Story. And it's actually funny because that's we watched The Christmas Story on Christmas Day. That's my year. favorite. It feels the most like Christmas Day. It does. They capture Christmas Day because perfectly. Because they capture the whole se- like you know, the whole season. You're in school. You're writing letters about what you want for Christmas. And then they show you their whole Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. They show you from the time they wake up to the Christmas dinner to the night where they say you know the parents are like another successful year you know making our kids happy so yeah that you know what that's funny you said that i never really like i never put it together but like christmas vacation that ends on christmas Christmas eve Eve, yeah but most movies do not show you christmas day the santa claus shows you christmas day a little bit but they literally show you from the time them walking down the stairs seeing the presents uh they're drinking wine the parents even though it's morning but santa claus doesn't really show you christmas day that was christmas eve yeah but they show you christmas day when he gets picked up by his parents oh yeah but that was just like you know a- why that's a distinct memory to me because that's how my christmas yeah. days were like i'd morning. get in the morning my dad would come pick me up from my mom yeah, so but i remember that was that. just morning going with mom they don't show you, you no know, the presents and everything yeah, yeah. like but that's I- really what i liked about the christmas story because they showed you the whole christmas day they do show you from the, whole the christmas turkey day. getting eaten by the dog I yeah. love that. And he was so upset, the old man, about that. That's all he was looking forward yeah, to. That was For like, him, that was his thing. He got a, he got a bowling ball. Yeah. A blue ball. <laughs> oh, it's a big blue ball. <laughs> <laughs> a bowling ball. <laughs> Thank you. He looks so miserable. But honestly, he took that in stride after the turkey got eaten and took him to the No, party. the turkey got eaten after that. No, I know, but I'm saying he took that. Oh, yeah. like, he really took that pretty He's like, well. all right. I'm all right, guys, out. upstairs, get dressed. We're going out. And like, you know. <laughs> And then that's when we get them singing, uh, well, it's smiling at me. (laughs) So I'd have to say that that's probably the best movie for us to watch on Christmas Day. Although I do have a really good memory. It was our second Christmas together where Christmas is all about going to see family. So like for us, Faith Faith comes from a family of divorce. I come from a family of divorce. So you ever see that movie Four Christmases where you have to go to each family? (laughs) That is like our life every year. But the second year that we were together... Uh, my parents went away. Every nobody, none of my family was here. Uh, Fate's family, I don't know where the hell they were. I don't remember. We were just together, just us, that Christmas day. Mm. And we woke up in the morning. We opened presents. We made mimosas, and we watched Christmas Vacation. And that was a great Christmas mm-hmm. day. So that's one of the, you know, I'd say Christmas Vacation and A Christmas Story, the two I prefer to watch that Christmas day. Mm-hmm. But Christmas Story, I mean, there's a reason why it's on a marathon the entire day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Uh, sorry we answered that one a little bit late. You know, Christmas is already past at this point, but it's still kind of in the Christmas season until tomorrow when New Year's Day rolls around. Mm-hmm. Then it's over. Yeah. You know? We had a great Christmas. We did. We had a fantastic Christmas. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you guys had a happy holiday as well. I know the day after Christmas was uh, Kwanzaa and Boxing Day, which we don't celebrate uh, Boxing Day here in the United States. Mm-hmm. 
That's a very... They celebrate it in Canada. It's weird that we don't celebrate it. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to give us any extra days. No. They, <laughs> they get upset about any federal holiday. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> what? Time and a half? I'm not doing that. For them to work but on some Christmas? Some states that don't even have time now. That's crazy. But anyway, guys, we're going to kick it over to myself for the rest of the Q&A <laughs> portion of the show, which is just me. And the first question that I'll be answering on my own is from Kevin Kruger, and he asks, How would you rank the following subgenres and favorite movies from each? Found footage. So my favorite found footage movie is actually Paranormal Activity 3. I enjoyed the first two Paranormal Activity movies, but I really thought that the third one, you know, obviously they're going back in time to the 1980s. That always is going to speak to me. I really love that movie. I really enjoy that aspect of the movie. I also think that it's actually the scariest of the Paranormal Activity films. You know, the Paranormal Activities films after that one, they're really a mixed bag. I actually thought Next to Kim was actually a really good movie, even if it went, like, you know, directly to streaming. I still thought that was a really good movie, and I like that the Paranormal Activity movies are trying new things. I really do appreciate that. So that's my favorite of that. A subgenre that I'm not too huge of a fan of. I know you're a big fan of those, Kevin, so... You know, send some more my way. Recommend some that I should probably check out. So I know you said Hell House LLC are some good ones as well. Slashers. Now, this is tough, and my heart is going to have to go with Scream. I think that Scream is the best slasher of all time. Now, the thing is, is that Scream doesn't work without all the other slashers that came before it because it's commenting on the slasher genre. But because of that, I think that's what makes it the best. It's built on your love of all the other slashers. And actually, it really does need that to be a great film because I remember when I was a kid, I saw Scream at a young age, and I didn't love that movie it wasn't until i saw all the other slashes that came out in the late 70s and throughout the entire 1980s that i knew the genre i knew the tropes and then i saw scream calling that stuff out and i just loved it from that point on that became one of my favorite horror films and it continues to rise up the list Candyman is my favorite horror film of all time and that came out in the 1990s but scream is one of the most important horror films ever it rejuvenated the horror genre and it obviously brought the slasher genre back to the forefront where you know we still get some to this very day like thanksgiving musicals now this is a genre that i just Ugh, it's very tough for me. There's only probably a handful of musicals that I've ever loved. And that's just like straightforward musicals. Like I don't mind movies with like a musical sequence in there, like one or two of them throughout the movie, where it doesn't take me out of the film. And in fact, I usually enjoy those aspects. But when it's just a straightforward musical, I really have a hard time getting into them. But there's one that I absolutely love, and I guess I'm just a really big Damien Chazelle fan. I never really thought about it, but I love all of his movies, even First Man, but La La Land. La La Land is my favorite musical of all time, and you know, it's a musical that has a great message, and I think that's why it's about following your dreams, and even if you follow your dreams, uh, some things are going to take a backseat to that, whether it be your relationship and that's really what this movie's about is Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling's relationship and love for each other. But they have dreams that they want to chase. And those dreams are more important than that relationship. And maybe down the line something can happen that they can rejuvenate that love. Probably not. Their relationship really is in the moment. That's what it's about. Like a really short-term relationship that they really leaned on each other to help them in their early parts of their careers and their journeys. Ryan Gosling wants to be a jazz singer, while Emma Stone wants to be an actress, and unfortunately their relationship will take a backseat, but the musical numbers are amazing in this movie. I actually would play the soundtrack. I enjoy the opening one on the freeway. So I really do enjoy this movie just overall from a musical standpoint. I know most people probably wouldn't pick this. They'd pick like West Side Story or something like that, but you know, somebody who doesn't love musicals, I have to pick La La Land. And romantic comedy 
nominees. Um, I know it's going to be like a very cliche answer, but I think Pretty Woman is still the best. Uh, I love the soundtrack to that movie. Richard Gere and Julia Roberts have fantastic chemistry. Jason Alexander plays a great asshole in that movie. King of Wishful Thinking is like one of my favorite songs ever, and it's kind of playing through the opening credits while Richard Gere's driving a Ferrari. For me, I think about those opening credits a lot, and the whole movie throughout is just great. Julie Roberts gives probably her best performance. I absolutely love her in this movie. And I'll give an honorable mention to 51st Dates because I've watched that movie so many times, and, you know, it's one of those movies that I love. Biopic. Well, it's going to Malcolm X. I've said it here before, and I'll say it again. Malcolm X is the greatest biopic ever made. It's just incredibly well made. You know, biopics kind of follow a formula. This kind of has those formulaic moments in this movie, but it was also done in 1992. Spike Lee made this movie. He had Ernest Dickerson doing the cinematography on it, so each era looks different from the other. So it's just a beautifully shot movie. Speaking of movies that have a musical number scene in it early in the movie, you know, Spike Lee's a big fan of musicals. And he's a big fan of, like, dance scenes, and he threw one in here early in the movie, and it works perfectly in this film. And Malcolm X is one of those historic figures they don't really teach you too much about in school. So when you see this biopic, you know it was done by Spike Lee, so you know it was in good hands, and then Denzel Washington gives an incredible performance, his career best performance, I'll say it again, he got robbed of the Academy Award because the Academy loves to give out makeup Oscars because, you know who won that year? Al Pacino, and it's hard to get mad at that because Al Pacino got robbed in the 1970s about three times where he should have won the Academy Award for Best Actor, so they make it up to him with Scent of a Woman, which is really not one of his best performances. That's kind of the movie where he got started just woo-hawing and, you know, doing the over-the-top acting, and they gave him an award for it, whereas Denzel Washington gives easily his best performance and one of the best performances in film history, and he doesn't get recognized for it. He gets recognized instead for Training Day, which I don't think is one of his best films. He gives a great performance, but I don't think Training Day is the greatest film overall. I actually think that that movie kind of gets dragged down by Ethan Hawke, in my opinion, but you know what? That's a story for another day. And Coming of Age, this is actually hard because there's a bunch of these kinds of movies that I love. You know, I could say Easy A because that reminds me of when I was in high school. The Perks of Being a Wallyflower is one I absolutely love. The Way Way Back is another one. But I think I'm actually going to go with a movie called The Edge of Seventeen starring Haley Steinfeld. I love this movie. You know, it's dealing with grief and loss and really dealing coming up through high school not really having too many friends and accepting the kind of person you are a good relationship with a teacher played by Woody Howson in this movie and I just love this movie I really have ever since I saw it it really flew under the radar and the director just had her follow up to the movie come out this year which is also a great movie by the way Are You There God? It's me Margot. you know maybe not as good as The Edge of Seventeen but it's still a fantastic film Time Travel well <laughs> The Terminator The Terminator is my favorite film ever and of course it's got time travel elements in that movie so that's going to be my number one it's really not that hard to pick anything because the number two time travel movie of all time would be terminator 2 and then i guess it'd be followed by back to the future like i love time travel movies i love a shitty time travel movie it's just one of those like subgenres of film like if you include time travel i'm gonna like it i just always like it seeing people travel back or forward in time it's an aspect of film and tv that i've always just gotten behind i don't know why it just fascinates me to like did that fish out of water stuff it always works for me, and The Terminator is just the king of the mountain when it comes to that. And then Neo-Noir, well, it's going to go to Chinatown. Chinatown is another one of those movies that's my favorite of all time. But right behind it, another favorite.
favorite of mine is Blade Runner. That's also a neo-noir film, you know, wrapped up in its own sci-fi way. But a straightforward neo-noir film, Chinatown. That's Roman Polanski's best film that he's ever made. And the guy made Rosemary's Baby, which is a fantastic film as well. But Chinatown, I mean, that movie just looks beautiful. That's why I want this movie on 4K Blu-ray so bad. That the sun setting in Los Angeles, California... It just looks gorgeous. You just want to see that on 4K. I can't wait till we eventually get that. There's rumors that 2024 is finally the year. Psychological Thriller. It's going to 7. 7 is one of those very special movies rumored to get a 4K this year as well. Well, I guess it's not rumored anymore. It's just rumored, I guess, for the U.S. We got a confirmation for a U.K. release, so we will see 7 on 4K Blu-ray. So, you know, that rainy, dark, gothic city that they created... You know, where the city becomes a character, you know, obviously the Batman ripped this movie off, and I'm fine with that, because Seven is one of my favorite films ever, and it's a great psychological thriller, you know, dealing with the seven deadly sins, and this monstrous serial killers out there just, you know, really putting these people to the works, really putting the brakes on them, and then it builds up to the what's in the box conclusion of this movie, which is still fantastic to this very, very day, still a very shocking ending, I remember the first time I saw that, thankfully this one wasn't spoiled for me, like the sixth sense was i had no idea what was coming and it really shocked me that was a really really dark ending and seven still holds up to this very day again shot beautifully it's david fincher's masterpiece and david fincher has so many great movies i really love the killer that came out this year but it's still gonna be really hard for him to ever top seven which is kind of really his first film he had such a bad experience with alien 3 when he finally gets like to make his baby and he makes seven look what comes out a masterpiece and the next one is from Rico Gomez, and he asks, if you could only afford one autograph from a director at a Comic-Con, who and what movie would you have him sign? So I actually never really go to get autographs. I'm just not one of those people who gets, like, starstruck by people, and I don't feel like I should go get an autograph for them. I would probably just rather just go up to them, shake their hand, and say, hey, I really appreciate your work. But if I was ever going to pick a director that I wanted to go up to and have them sign something for me, I actually think it would be Spike Lee. As much as I love Quentin Tarantino, and he's my favorite director of all time, you know, he kind of comes off a little bit, uh, you know, the way he acts, he's just a little bit strange to me. He just kind of comes off like he, like, talks too much and kind of overwhelms the conversation. Just from looking at interviews, like, I don't know the guy. He might be the coolest guy in person that you've ever met, and I've heard he's a cool guy. I'd probably love to watch a movie with him. But if I ever wanted to actually go up to somebody, meet them, and have them sign something, I would probably bring my copy of Do the Right Thing to Spike Lee. I would love to have him sign that. Only reason I wouldn't bring Malcolm X is I don't want to ruin my Malcolm X 4K in the Criterion Collection. Do the Right Thing. It's a standard slipcover. I can have him sign that then i can whip that off and you know maybe rebuy it with a new slipcover and frame the one that he signed so spike lee would be my choice for that i just absolutely love the guy uh, he really seems to care about film so it's like him or nolan christopher nolan seems like another guy who would be really cool like i'd pick james cameron too but he seems like you know he kind of comes off a little bit as a dick to me and people have said that he's really tough to work with so you know he probably wouldn't be that nice of a guy to meet in person so i think spike lee would be my choice that's a great question rico this one's from mr smelly potato and he asks if you could watch a movie and enjoy it fresh again for the first time what one would it be now the answer you would think i would say would be the terminator but I have so much nostalgic feelings attached to The Terminator that I actually want to keep those feelings from remembering watching it in my childhood. But if I could erase a movie and watch it again for the first time and have those first-time feelings again of a movie that just absolutely shocked me in the moment, it would be 2018's Hereditary. Now, that movie, when I saw it in theaters, when in the theaters sitting there watching that movie, it just shocked me. When the girl loses her head in that film, that's a spoiler, I guess, 
because I think that's like one of the most famous scenes in film history. Now I'm telling you, like the air got sucked out of my chest, and you just can't get that on repeat viewings. Like that shock factor, you lose that on repeat viewings. But when you see something like that for the first time, and you're in a movie theater and you're watching that on the big screen, you know they kind of built her up in the trailers as like being like the lead character. So you just don't expect this to happen, even though there was plenty of foreshadowing when you watch that on rewatches. But when you're watching that in the moment. There's just nothing like that. It really just, it shocked the hell out of me. And that's honestly why I think Hereditary is one of the best movies to come out over the last 10 years. I've watched it like four or five times. And it's great on rewatches. But those shocking moments, even when we get up to the end and like Tony Collette's banging her head on the ceiling and you see her in the corner like that. I mean, I don't get scared, but I actually had feelings in my chest watching that movie in theaters. Really just blew me away. So that's what I would pick. If I can go back and rewatch that movie for the first time again, or if I can just erase my memory after each time I watch that movie and watch it for the first time again, that movie is a masterpiece. And the first time you see that, it really stands out. So hopefully I didn't spoil it for you because really the first time watch is the best for Hereditary. That's a great question as well, Mr. Smelly Potato. And the next question is from Lorenzo Harris, Man of God. And he asks, what are your top five favorite disaster movies and do they have a 4K release? Well, actually, I don't think there's many disaster movies that have been released on 4K. They got some Roland Emmerich movies like Independence Day, Moonfall, Godzilla 98. But yet my favorite disaster movie of all time is from Roland Emmerich, and it hasn't been released on 4K Blu-ray, and that's The Day After Tomorrow. Every time I watch that movie, I get wrapped up in the story. I get wrapped up in the special effects of it. You know, it's a very far-fetched story, something, you know, obviously it's dealing with global warming, and I guess it's something that could happen, but not to, like, what this happens, how it's just so sped up and so crazy, and that's what Roland Emmerich brings. I think he is the king of disaster movies. It's pretty much what he makes exclusively, and I think The Day After Tomorrow, for me, even more than Independence Day, Godzilla 98, and I like these movies, but The Day After Tomorrow, maybe it just caught me at the right time. It came out in 2004. I remember going to the movies and seeing it with my dad and brother, and I've probably seen this movie about a 100 times since. Probably the first time that Jake, no, actually Jake Gyllenhaal, the first time I really took notice of him was with Bubble Boy, but this is like the second or third time where I really noticed this guy, and he does a great job with this movie. Dennis Quaid, I was really riding the Dennis Quaid high of the 2000s, you know, Frequency, The Rookie, you know, he was really at the forefront of a lot of movies. He kind of fell off after this movie, actually, but he has a great emotional arc with him and his son, Jake Gyllenhaal, in this movie, and I do think that it is the best disaster movie of all time. I know some people might not feel that way, but for me, it really does stand out in the crowd. And then at number two is going to be Mars Attacks. I, I put that at number two because I think some people might not feel like that's a disaster movie. But Mars Attacks is one of the most underrated Tim Burton movies. It's one of the most underrated movies ever. Actually, the reason why it gets overlooked so much is it came out in 1996. And Roland Emmerich's Independence Day just overshadowed the hell out of that movie. And I think a lot of people didn't really get like the meaning of this movie. It's really just a satire spoof movie of 1950s sci-fi alien invasion movies. And it really wasn't supposed to be like a scary, like, oh my god, aliens are taking over the world kind of movie. They are, but it's told in a very comedic way. And I just love Mars Attacks. So that would be my number two. And then number three is one that came out a couple years ago on Netflix called Don't Look Up. Adam McKay directed this movie. This was actually his third movie kind of in a row where he was directing dramas. Felt very similar to his the two movies he did before this, Vice and The Big Short. So... This movie is a satire of like of our planet, really. It was like turning the mirror against us and how we react to certain situations, especially in that moment, and how we would react if a meteor was coming to Earth and it's going to destroy us and we have no way to stop it. How certain groups of people would act, whether it be in politics, the rich people, the poor people, just looking at every group, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence really are at the forefront of this movie, but we get a lot of great supporting actors from actors like Jonah Hill. Meryl Streep plays the president. Timothy Chalamet has a blink and you miss it kind of role in this movie, mainly because 
he kind of like falls to the background because there's just so many big actors in this movie. And I just really enjoyed it. And the ending really got me, actually. Every time I watch this movie, it kind of scares me because imagine that actually happening. I'm not going to spoil it here, but imagine that actually happening, what happens at the end of this movie. It scared me at the first time I watched it. I remember we watched this Christmas night. It was whenever year it came out. I want to say 2021. And it got nominated for Best Picture, but a lot of people don't like this movie that much. And I'm very curious as to why, because I thought it was fantastic. And then the last two are both very cheesy movies, but they kind of speak to me. One does have a 4K Blu-ray, and that is The Core. The Core, uh, that just came to 4K Blu-ray last year. And I don't think it did the movie any favors, actually, because I always love The Core. It makes no sense at, at all. You know, it's very similar to the movie Sunshine, and I watched Sunshine right after I watched The Core. Sunshine is probably a better movie, but I'm one of those people that doesn't think the third act entirely works. I think Sunshine's a great movie. I just think that it has some struggles when we get to the third act again. Won't spoil that, but The Core, we have to reignite the core of the Earth, and... The CGI in this movie has just aged absolutely horribly. And when it came to 4K last year, it just exposed that stuff even more. And then at number five is going to be Armageddon. I know this movie is stupid. I know it's got all the Bayisms in it. But, man, the Aerosmith song speaks to me. Those over-the-top performances. Bruce Willis actually gives all he could possibly give to this movie. Billy Bob Thornton is great in it. And, I mean, who doesn't like a movie where we save the Earth? You know, it's very, it's got a lot of American pride in it. It's a little bit too over the top. Michael Bay loves to put that stuff in his movies. But it just works for me. I think it's a fantastic film. And, I mean, most people have seen Armageddon. It's probably one of the most popular films of all time. Or maybe I'm just remembering that wrong because it was really popular at the time. The Arrow song, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, that's actually their only number one hit that they ever received. And you can thank Armageddon for that. Don't And actually, Armageddon doesn't even have a 4K Blu-ray either somehow. I don't know why. A lot of Michael Bay movies don't. We need more Michael Bay movies on 4K. I mean, he would seems like he would live for the 4K format. Big explosions in Dolby Atmos with Dolby Vision showing off that explosion. So hopefully we get Armageddon one day. But that was a great question, Lorenzo. Thank you so much, buddy. And I want to hear from you guys. What are your top five disaster movies of all time? Alright guys, that's going to do it for us here on another episode of Let's Talk Physical Media. My name is John. And I'm Faith. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's show. I want to thank my three channel producers, Jason Martin, John Doe Juggalo, and our newest producer, Nocturnal. And I want to thank our two channel directors, Frank Rodriguez and Kevin Kruger. We appreciate all of your support. Thank you to our friends of the channel. And if you guys don't have any money to throw our way, don't you guys worry about that at all. The best support that this channel needs is just for you guys to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this video, turn notifications on, then just get out in those streets and tell your friends about us. We'll be seeing you around.